0: Welcome to The Problem, on Lockwood & Co. podcast. I'm Caitlin. I'm Alan. And this week we are talking about part one of The Screaming Staircase by Jonathan Stroud, which was published in 2013. Part one, titled Ghosts, includes the first four chapters. In chapter one, Lucy Carlyle and Anthony Lockwood begin their inspection of a haunted house in London. I gave Anthony his name in the British accent that first time, and I'm not sure what happened there. Yeah. But I guess I've just watched the show too much. Let's never say his first name again, so I don't have to deal with that crisis.
1: Yeah, when I wrote out that sentence, I was like, should I just put Lockwood? We don't, but I guess we're introducing the characters, so there's a whole thing in the versions of the book that I have where you would say Anthony or Antony because there's like replacements of biscuits for cookies. Oh, that's
0: in my copy too. I was so, so previous to this. Should we give the other chapter summaries before I start my rant?
1: No, 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 no. We'll go, because you notice it right away in chapter one, I think. So it's worth talking about. Okay, We can skip around. Don't worry about it. You'll be like, and later there's an even worse one.
0: wasn't sure what our i guess we should say no rant first (laughs) um so previous to us podcasting about the books i have only listened to the audiobooks i have not physically read them so i didn't realize me too. about yeah. the temperature changes because the audiobooks are just the british ones but i was yeah. reading this and that it gave me the fucking fahrenheit and i'm like why does canada have to be attached to america
1: <sighs> <laughs> so that's interesting this was something that i was wondering because like why would they change it for canada I, I guess you just get the North American we, Yeah, we just get the and... same
0: printing as nine times out of ten. Uh, when a yeah. book is published in Canada, they just, it, it's this exact same, like, it is printed with the American books. That's why when you go into a bookstore, a lot of the books will have the American price and the Canadian price. Because they're all just printed uh-huh. at the same time.
1: Oh, true, true, true. Right? right.
0: How the actual rights work... I'm not a hundred percent sure on because we do have Canadian branches of the like the big publishing companies and that sort of thing. But they must mm-hmm. have they must have it set up like I'm sure they've done it 100 a hundred times. Very occasionally we will get like the equivalent of the British uh, the, like the British publishing. I can only think of two book series that I have read where that was the case.
1: But don't say them. Like, leave everyone. In the <laughs>
0: okay, so one of them I don't remember. It was just, like, a four-book <laughs> series that I read, like, five to ten years ago that I enjoyed at the time. I remember maybe, like, a girl died, and 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 then she would wake up in a different body. I don't remember what it was called. Uh, the other one was oh, Harry Potter.
1: Cool. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know if, I wonder, uh, I, I don't think that they're that, they're not as British as these books, I feel like. I know know that might be weird to say that Harry Potter is less British, but I I just feel like these books are like, like they break for tea and stuff and and they're so situated in a real London with like vernacular that's very British. Yeah. That, yeah. I I feel like Harry Potter is more like universal- yeah, yeah, yeah. More fantastical. It, it's in its own world for sure. Yeah.
0: I'm sure that there is a lot of, I don't know how much time I want to spend talking about fucking Harry Potter, but uh, like I'm sure there's a lot of British culture in there that we just don't pick up on. You know what sure. I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm sure they do feel very British, especially since I know that there was, like there are things that n- North American folks would think was fantasy world building, but actually no, that was just England. <laughs> it's just England.
1: Yeah, they do have cars that fly. That's true. Mm. Um yeah, so th- that was something that I really noticed when right away, when in chapter 1 that there's all kinds of little changes like that. Um between cuz I also only listened to the audiobooks and then when I was going through I have the ebook version is what I'm using and it's um it's North American redacted version <laughs> of I don't even know how I would get my hands on an ebook In the original British English, the King's English.
0: (laughs) Oh man, I was just going to say something about the Queen's English, but no, it isn't the fucking King's English. Jesus. That's right. Shall we dive into chapter one then? Yeah. I will mention that I have decided not to type out any notes for myself. I've just written notes in the physical book and I'm going to be flipping through this is an experiment. I don't know if this is going to work or if I'm just going to be a mess. But um <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it that's goes. That's what I did
1: too because like uh that's what I always do. Um I really this is why I really like ebooks because you can just highlight a part of the text and then you can write like an entire essay in the notes and it does, it doesn't show up in the book. I'll see but it. you can like click it. Right. And then it's like there.
0: I just have transparent post-it notes. Because I can't stand the idea of actually writing on my books. Especially since I had to buy... Well, I had to, like, specifically find the hardcovers for these books that I didn't get the ugly Netflix sticker on them.
1: Yeah, good.
0: And I know previously somebody has recommended... um, Like, somebody designed stickers to go over them. But that would still piss me off. I would still know it was there. (laughs) I would still know. You'd want to cut it out of the cover. It's it's not even... (laughs) Like, as much as Netflix, you know, canceled the show and we're angry about that, it's not even about that. I refuse to buy the permanent sticker books ever. I do not own a yeah, single I, one. I agree. I never I will. It. I don't do it. I will not support that stupid practice.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't like it at all either. I also could not write in a book that feels uh, dark-sided to me. That's evil. I, I can't do that
0: i I've done it one time, and it was on like a book that I'd picked up a second copy of from a like a from a not a used bookstore but a thrift store is where I'm going yeah it was it was the Amber spyglass actually for our other podcast um so yeah, more on having previously read the audiobooks, I didn't realize there was chapter art
1: uh yeah, so it says in the um copyright and stuff that all of the illustrations are from Kate Adams hmm. yeah, and they have a nice little picture at the beginning of uh each chapter and there's a little bit of like fancy font for each chapter as well.
0: Oh, I, is there?
1: Yeah, it's like the the parts each part has a title and then oh, the, the chapter title page. Yes. has a has a yeah, but the chapter itself this is like chapter 1 but the letters of the chapter yes. at least in my version are are all like kind of funny looking. Yes,
0: cool yes looking. they
1: are. Yeah, I like that. I like that kind of stuff. So I really like uh Jonathan Stroud's like whole um word choice and like his entire kind of I guess the uh, style is is really what I mean like w- word style the way that he the kind of verbs that he uses to talk about the setting and things like that I just highlighted lots of different things throughout all the chapters that are just like him using really punchy language that um from the first time that i listened to the book you were like we should do a podcast and so i checked out the book before i watched the show and immediately in this first chapter i was like oh man i love the word choices that this guy builds the world with um for example he has uh like in one part of the chapter here he it says the porch had a forlorn and unused air its corners choked with the same sodden beech leaves that littered the path and lawn. So like stuff like choked, the mm-hmm. corners are choked um, and the beech leaves littered uh, stuff like that. Just like infuses the world with a certain kind of emotion and tone that is kind of effortless. Like it's doing multiple kinds of work at the same time. You're not just getting the scene by itself. You're getting like, how the scene feels.
0: Yes. I can't find it now, but I wrote a note about a later bit here where he's describing a smell, but then he says it tasted like such and such. And I thought that that was such an interesting choice.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking
2: about. Yeah, I have it. That's, I can't yeah, find it in here. When she's in the office. Yeah, but it's yeah. somewhere in
0: here. I also love because he tells us that like the house has only been empty for like two days. So yeah. it's interesting that he's already describing it as though it's this long-forgotten thing.
1: Right, that's how it feels, yeah. right? Or that's how he wants us to feel about yeah. it. Yeah,
0: even though he says, like, mm, she's only been gone for two days. Everything should still feel pretty lived in, you know? Mm-hmm. But maybe the ghost makes things feel different.
1: Right, and that, yeah, I think that's a sense that he's trying to communicate to the reader. I think it's also just his style. He probably... Like, I don't want to make it sound like he's belabored, you know, with like a, a dictionary and the sort, although maybe he is, I don't know anything about his method. But it seems to me like he's using like very punchy kind of words and constructing sentences that have a lot of energy to them because the the he's ascribing verbs to nouns that don't usually have those verbs associate with them. Like darkness doesn't choke things. You know what I mean? Like that's not a quality that it possesses, but he grants it that quality in the language and it creates an atmosphere.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's wonderful. Speaking of atmosphere, I also really love just in this opening paragraph, which is almost, it's almost all one line or one sentence. You get the humor and the horror right away. You know, oh, it's, good it's, point. Yeah. it's gruesome, but because we're so very much in this, like, 15-year-old girl's voice, it's also just like, well, we messed up these jobs kind of a lot, and we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. there's one thing where, like, a ghost is going to haunt a woman forever, literally. Like, what? That's terrible. And they're like, eh, we're just not talking about that. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I also
1: really liked that first sentence the first time that... I listened to the book because it told me right away that we're not going to start with the very first case. Yeah. And with Lucy, like knowing nothing and like, we're going to learn along with Lucy. I was just like, oh, we're hitting the ground running. Our characters already know what they're doing and it expects you to keep up. I was like, great. This is great.
0: But also in the way that he's in the stylistic way that he has Lucy talking to us. She will just stop and explain things to us, but it doesn't feel forced. It just feels Mm -hmm, like, and here mm -hmm. I am sharing this with you, like this whole first, these, most of my notes for these first four chapters are just, oh, world building, oh, world building, oh, like it's all world building, but if you're just reading it, it doesn't feel like it's being shoved down your throat.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Also, as an aside, on the first page here, there is just the words, the creeping shadow, which... (laughs) Is the name of a later book, obviously. And I thought I that was fun. I'm sure it's an accident. I'm sure it wasn't planning that far out, but it was fun to notice it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that when I was reading it this time, I was like, oh, that can't be the same thing.
0: Yeah, it's not. Oh, because you haven't read yeah. book four yet, right?
1: No, I haven't read The Creeping Shadow yet. I've read the first three books now.
0: So. Okay, good to know for me not being yeah, like, right. this is obviously this, blah, 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 blah.
1: Yep. And we get a lot of uh, back and forth with Lucy and Lockwood that kind of like uh, establishes their rapport and how they work with each other. It's good stuff.
0: But different, like the opening scene in the show did the same thing, but it's very different in the book. They swap around some of their dialogue, that sort of thing. And the show completely cut out how ridiculous Lockwood is. <laughs> Like, totally. The yeah. stuff with the accents and him being like, "Oh, but it's fun." Like and I wrote down that the show makes Lockwood sort of desperate to appear an adult, while the book makes it seem like he's clinging to his youth. And it's interesting because it's the same issue, but they show it in two different ways.
1: Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah, for sure. He's he's pretty different. Uh it feels to me like lucy wrangles him a lot more than she ever would in the show yep like she the first thing that she says to him is basically like don't do this don't do that and he's like that's an awful lot of don'ts like it's like who's the boss here you know
0: the childish boss
1: (laughs) right yeah well i think that is kind of what stroud is communicating like we should be asking ourselves that as readers like who's the boss i thought this is lockwood and co but Lucy is the eye of the book mm-hmm. and uh yeah and seems and so, a little like, in charge is a little yeah, yeah 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 who's the important one too you know like there's a lot of like I think that gives the book some energy because it's like oh this isn't all of this is not quite what I expected which is good
0: yeah um and then they have a quick conversation about a dead mouse which you think why in the world is that there but it's just really good world building
1: yeah I forgot about this that He can even see the deaths of um, non-humans.
0: Yeah. Like walking around must be terrible for him.
1: Yeah. It's got to be awful. It's really weird too, because I was like, well, then are there ghosts of animals? I don't remember any examples of that.
0: Yeah, I don't either.
1: You know, like we murder a lot of animals if you think of it as murder, but I don't
0: know. I would think I'm, I mean, that's sort of, I think, philosophical question. Like, do animals have souls? Do they go to the same place humans do after they die? Because if the answer is... I don't think Stroud's worried about that. Well, I don't think he's worried about that. But when you learn about how the problem exists and blah, blah, blah later on, that's kind of the answer you would need to know whether or not animal ghosts are around. Yeah. It just doesn't come up. Uh, So then we meet not Mrs. Hope.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, I think that's a little bit, I don't know, like unnecessarily complicated... I can understand, I guess it, it provides like a slight escalation to be like, things are even worse than they were a couple of days ago when we talked to you mm. and should t- tip us off that more is happening here than the owner knows. But um, I don't know, like the more characters you give me, the more I'll be like, ah, I don't know who's who.
0: I assumed that this was more about to make it so that they only had this one night to do the job. Because while Mrs. Hope hired them, this lady is obviously like, I don't trust these kids.
1: Oh, that's a good point. So it escalates in that way. too. Yeah. yeah.
0: But it, it does seem like they could have had the exact same scene with just one person. Like there, there didn't have to be two people.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she could still be like, and I think that's what happened in the show. She could still just be like, you guys are too young. What's going on?
0: Um, but they cut out the whole, we only have this one night to do it thing in the show. And it's it's the it's the conversation with this lady that they that the show kind of switched their lines around a bunch, which I just think is an interesting choice. Yeah, it
1: doesn't you know, in the show, Lucy doesn't have the same personality a lot of times, but that is like one of the moments where her personality is kind of like adults are are worthless. Yeah. Um, And most of her I feel like most of her personality in the book comes from. Her narrative voice which is like the unvoiced part of her yeah a lot of times she's like oh i i would really like to punch that person in the face but that's not what she says out loud and so like her being rude in the opening moment feels in character if you know the character from the book
0: yes i also love how in the book like everyone talks about her this is maybe the later book's So maybe I should say this, but everyone talks about her being, Lockwood does bring it up here, being like sensitive and open to things. But if you're in her brain, she's just like, I hate everyone. I don't care about their feelings.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Which is probably like a self-defense. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: But I love that about her. Everyone is just like, you have to be careful. You feel too much. And she's just like, feelings. God, they're the worst.
1: Yeah. I feel angry. That's what I feel. Yeah.
0: I feel like the rest of the first chapter is just world building couched in conversation it you we get a lot of information about what you do in a haunted house, what Lockwood and Lucy you know the listening, the seeing how everything goes, you know we get the the bit about the threshold um and we get Lucy's first like listening in, and she hears the knocking it's it's there's not much to talk about, but it's good it's good writing
1: yeah there There is an important moment that he calls back to later in the book, of course, where they first walk through the door, Yeah, you know, after that they decide to go in and everything. And they walk right through, but the narrative kind of pauses to be like, you have to walk in, you have to be bold, you can't hesitate, Mm -hmm. um, and all this stuff, because that uh, comes back later in the book. But it also, like you said, it's world building and sets a tone for how ghosts in this world operate that they feed off of emotion and they're like sensitive. The ghosts are the really the sensitive ones to like how the kids are feeling and stuff.
0: And it also sets up that they aren't, they aren't here to be scared. You know, they're here to do a job. This is business for them. Yeah. Also, I did just want to mention the, the thing where Mr. Hope falls down the stairs or or Lucy re-experiences it. For written word, it's a pretty good jump scare. Because jump scares don't yeah. really work in writing. But it was decent.
1: Oh, it's really, really good. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then chapter and chapter one ends oh, with them yeah, there it is. breaking for tea, which I love because it again, it just makes it feel like a job. How they're like, Okay, well, we've done some work and now we're gonna have a tea break.
1: And it's very British also. Yeah. Um, like you said before, I just feel like that's a choice that Jonathan Stroud is making to be like unapologetically like London and cultural and like situated in its own self in a way that's like, I'm not going to try and like write something that is like broadly for the English speaking world. Right. It's like very, very situated in London. It's very specific and idiosyncratic, which is, Really awesome, I think it's like one of the best things about the series.
0: I agree, and it's a shame that the American editions took some of that out.
1: Yeah, I, I won I guess, I it's just like a matter of assuming that children would be confused by it. There's a thousand little ways that it's different. There's, and there was even like a part where Lucy says like to write and they changed that, and uh, and I was like, wow, you know, like kids in America are just idiots i guess they just would not be able to figure out what she means by that
0: or they or it's like they think that children can't be worldly yeah yeah even though like this was published after harry potter as we've discussed like and i think that that and you know the internet did a good job with introducing children to these different like dialects and cultural stuff cultural stuff that was smart of me you know what i'm saying though
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's a thing that I think now more than ever, like readers are actually looking for. They they want different cultures. They don't want some kind of like pan world, you know, like globalist version of something. They want something like highly culturally specific. Yeah. And and he's just that's a choice he made to write it that way, which I think is great.
0: So then in chapter two, we get a bunch more world building about how these haunting jobs usually go. Or haunted house jobs, I guess I should say. And we also get our first yeah. mention of George.
1: My uh my little chapter two summary says in chapter two, Lucy and Lockwood search the house for the source of the haunting and narrow it down to the deceased owner's office.
0: Right, I forgot about our summaries.
1: It's all right. I made it sound very natural. <laughs> yeah, there's even the picture for chapter two is even uh the cup tea. of tea um with cookies. <laughs>
0: Like the word cookie. That's what it says in the text. I know. It just doesn't have the same. It's just different. It's a different feel, you know? Yeah. I feel like even the drawing, I wonder if the drawings are different in the British version because I just feel like that isn't.
1: Oh, that it wouldn't, wouldn't, that it would be like a different assortment.
0: Yeah. Like that looks like a chocolate chip cookie. It doesn't look like a British biscuit, you know?
1: That would be really crazy to me if they went that far. They were like, they won't understand.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not so much that they won't understand, just like it was a different artistic choice. Like, I don't know if the British books have the art at the beginning, right? That might be an American book only thing.
1: Oh, true. Yeah, true, true. Um. Oh, okay. Yeah. My note here is, is about this exact cookie biscuit situation. <laughs>
0: We're never going to let this go.
1: I know. I know. There was another part here early on where where I was like, oh, this is another this is another really good example of his whole thing where it says the night presses in around you and the silence beats against your ears. And I was just like, Oh man, silence beating against your ears and night pressing in on you. Like silence and night are both like an absence of other things, but like the way that he evokes them is as if they are like their own thing. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, like darkness is the absence of light, but that's, but the way he's constructing it is like, darkness has its own presence and agency Uh, and silence is not like a lack of sound. It's like some kind of ontological presence with its own ability to like assault you the way that sound would. So it's just like little choices like that. I think just like build a mood in a, in a place. And then he's usually, it's like you said earlier too, with, with the uh, humor, he'll like usually do something like that. And it has like a joke kind of right next to it, because like the line before it says it's never pleasant sitting in a haunted house waiting in the dark, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like a ho-hum sentence. But when you set it off against the night presses in around you and silence beats against your ears, I don't know, like there's like a contrast there to me that like punches up the second sentence and is almost makes the first sentence a little absurd in like a good way. I don't know. He's he's really talented writer, I think.
0: It's it's like he said, you know, 10 books published.
1: Ten, oh, yeah, he does what he does.
0: Five, six, yeah, 10, ten, <laughs> 10, I do love, so like I said, we get a brief mention of George here that George has comics, Lockwood likes to read his gossip magazines, and Lucy, you know, does some drawing, which is an interesting thing that they completely cut out of the show. Mm-hmm. But what I really like is that in the middle of all this like haunted house setup, they have this little like safe space in the kitchen. And it's interesting that it's the kitchen because the kitchen in 35 Portland Row becomes such a major set and such a like oh, yeah. homey set. So it's interesting that they set up a kitchen in the haunted house to sort of emulate that same feeling. I feel like like kitchens to them feel safe.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That it's like a little piece of home. Yeah.
0: It would be interesting to see what a different agency might do if they like to set up their safe space somewhere else.
1: I wonder now that you say that, I wonder if other agencies would even do something Hmm. if there wouldn't just be a kind of task, you know, mastering of like the adults are like set up outside and they're just like go in there and like do the job. And there's none of this like we're taking a break. We're reassessing we're. I feel like I feel like this wouldn't happen with other agencies. Right. Yeah. I've never really thought about that.
0: though. Me, yeah, no, me neither. Not until here. Um, and then we just get Lucy talking about some of their equipment, but she throws in this line about a girl at Rotwalls that had died, <laughs> which is great because we're about to find out that Lockwood forgot some of their equipment. And <laughs> and it's, but it's just like thrown in there. And it's just so like, like, a, like the kids die all the time. It's just part of the job.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's really deaf because it is like so light. When I've been talking about like, you know, like the darkness and the silence have their own agency. And then she's like, a human being died yeah, the other day. But um, anyway.
0: Yeah, that's why you got to pack like, your bag, right? And like, that's a choice right.
1: too. Yeah.
0: So then, I don't know, they just sort of continue talking about the information they've got. And they have this brief moment where they mention that the problem possibly started in Kent. And I, yeah. didn't, I didn't remember this line. And I do not remember at all of that comes
1: back this was one of the things that i noticed the first time that i read it and i was like like oh that's an important piece of lore like that stuck out to me and i've always had that tucked in the back of my mind but i've never seen it come up again in the in the three books or the show i don't think it's in the show at all i do like how it's like debatable though between them and and it's the kind of thing that they talk about it's like kind of shop talk yeah to be like, is there even a problem in Kent? Oh, actually the problem is worse than this person's making it out to be. And there's like an element of that. We might not be communicating the actual, like that's the source, but we are communicating that like, this is something that people can debate in this world. Like it's not, everything is not known perfectly, even to the degree of like, is there a problem in Kent as bad as it is in London? Like, that's even something that's debatable in this world. So like that in itself is information.
0: I feel like it couldn't be just because of how many people and therefore how many deaths are in London. Yeah. But it's interesting to think.
1: Well, we also don't know, like, is it a worldwide thing? We talked about that with the show. I feel like in the show, it almost has to be because the level of technology for the entire world has seemed to like be affected in a way that the books just don't try to deal with that very much and so like why would that happen if it was only happening in one spot it's not like you know england or london specifically is like the birthplace of lots of digital technology like that doesn't make sense so it would have to be kind of a problem everywhere in the show
0: you know alan i really wish you would finish the books
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i know but I think that's part of like, I don't know, that's part of, to me, like how the show should work is that one of us shouldn't know everything and can say no, dumb, no, I, ironic I, things. No, no, I do agree.
0: I do agree. I, but there are times like right now when I just really want to dive into, but would it have affected the rest of the world when blah, 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 blah?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it.
0: I guess we'll get there someday. Yeah. Um. Uh... My my next note is just, wow, Book Lockwood never shuts up. <laughs> I I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way, but dude just goes talking and talking and talking. I feel like he always has a story. He always has something to say. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, he's like, did I ever tell you about the time? And she's like, yes, a million times. I've heard this story so many
0: times. Oh, my God.
1: Which is a good dynamic.
0: Yeah, especially since she's still relatively new with the agency.
1: (laughs) It's like you said, he's just always going on and on and on.
0: Uh, and then we get receptionist George, who of course, but we, but like, obviously he's not the receptionist because we get that, like, Oh, he won't like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wrote that down too. It's an indirect introduction. It's conversational. So like, that's really deft again. That's really good writing. I think that there is somebody named George that he is not the receptionist that he is, you know, like that would be an affront to him and, and all of this kind of stuff. So I always like, I think that's so smart. I'm always scared whenever I write to do this thing that I I think is so smart. When you do what I think of as a negative introduction, when you say like a character, you've not met the character, but you're like, the character is not da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, George is not the receptionist. He is not the this and that.
0: And well, and just before that, we get them talking about George's theories on the problem. So we even get a Mm -hmm. little bit of... Yeah, and he and, reads comic books. Yeah, his main personality there, his theory. Yeah, uh, yeah. On the next page, I did circle the 48 Degrees and write down stupid U.S. publishing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. It's um, it's um, it, Although my feeling was a little bit the opposite. I was like, oh, that's <laughs> what that means.
0: I have no idea. Because I am
1: a dumb American.
0: I mean, that being said, again, because of this whole Canada being connected to America thing, the thermostat in my house is in Fahrenheit. So... I do somewhat understand Fahrenheit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole thing is silly. My, yeah, my kids are old enough now that they're asking me, like, why do we do that? And everyone else, and it's like, there's no, there's no good answer to this I think question. it's just
0: stubbornness, which is fair. Yeah, A lot is. of countries are stubborn about things, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, well, we had to show, we had to show our dad that we are grown up and we're not part of his house anymore. And right. so we choose to, it's an emo thing. We really committed to it Uh, in the part that you were talking about where Lockwood is, or I guess I was talking about it where Lockwood goes on and on and on. And Lucy's like, yeah, I heard that a million times. There was this part that I highlighted where he says, um, he says, oh, well, the point is Mr. Hope could be coming back for a host of other reasons that aren't to do with vengeance. Something left undone, for instance, a will he didn't tell his wife about or a stash of money hidden under the bed, Mm. which I thought was interesting because it's like, Everything doesn't have to be about murder. Like ghosts could come back for any number of reasons. And the and they ghosts do come back for reasons. Like that's an important thing to know. Yeah. They're not just this isn't just random stuff happening. There is but like murder is a common reason, but it's not the only one. And the reason is tied to the source, which is also an important thing to know. Mm-hmm. And so it's worth investigating the motives of the ghost because it can tell you like something about oh the source is the will or the you know what i mean right in this case that he's that he's positing
0: which is interesting because later on i noted a bit where lockwood says i'm never gonna find it says something like if it's a type two like a type two always means something bad has happened either to them or they did something bad and i'm Mm -hmm. i find that interesting because i don't think we ever really revisit it but I want to know if that's true of every single type two, you know, right, was, right, was right, there right. ever yeah. an anomaly to that?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, yeah, that also stuck out to me. And I was like, then what makes a type three? It's also interesting that they start, like the first time we ever hear about types is a type two. And so that's also another really good little move where you've already said, like, there's more than one type of ghost. Yeah. And probably there's more than two. You know? Yep. Um. So you're, like, communicating a lot of information there with just that one little move.
0: Another bit where I wish you'd read more, because we do actually get a bit about what makes a Type 3, but it's from the Type 3's perspective. So I don't, like, it's just his, it's just kind of Skull's opinion on what made him him.
1: I was going to say, yeah, those guys are really trustworthy.
0: Well, don't disparage Skull. You know, he's doing his <laughs> best. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Like I said, I read the third book. I'm excited to get to Skull and talk about Skull. He is really, really good. Yeah. Book.
0: Oh, it's literally the next page. Type two. <laughs> I just flipped right by it. Type two always means someone's done something to somebody. hmm. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It also says that like the that she sensed the Mrs. Hope, like sensed a purpose in the ghost. Yeah. And that suggests a type two. That purpose is like tied to the type twos in some way that they're able to like psychically, you know, like you can feel psychically, even if you're not a child, intentions around the ghost and stuff, purposes. So that's like an important idea in the book, too.
0: And then um, they go and do some more investigating. They go upstairs, check some stuff out.
1: Yeah, they, they talk about their little... Thermometer things a lot, uh, which is really good for narrowing down. Like they're homing in on, oh, this room's warmer, this room's colder. Yeah. So there's like a kind of science to it, I guess. And you just kind of like intuit. He's kind of trusting that you understand like this is how it works.
0: Yeah, it's doing it's an interesting writing technique that he has that translated so well to the show where he doesn't just stop and explain the world to you he just puts it in the conversation or sometimes in Lucy's narration and he doesn't explain everything. He'll just explain little bits and trust you to pick up on it and put it all together. Mhm. It's it's good. Again, I as somebody who has read a lot of middle grade books as an adult, there are some that will just completely talk down to kids and there are some that don't and I do prefer that those ones obviously.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. It's very, I don't know. Like the first time I read this, I was so impressed with Everything that he is doing, like it's he trusts you, and he's also being like really subtle and mm-hmm. building a mood, and it's just like wow, he's so talented.
0: But again, and yeah, job, like you, like you just said, it does sort of feel like he trusts the reader, which is always a nice feeling as a reader. Yeah. So then they find the study that used to be a bedroom, and we get the filings or chains conversation.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is it, it's you know. We talked about it in the show, and it, I think that it's the same thing here. Like, it's doing double duty. It's talking to character and world building at the same time. It's also funny.
0: And it does also just feel it, like, oh, my group project partner dropped the ball, you know? Like,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then at the end, the the chapter ends with a ghost.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, oh, there was a part mm. um, that I wanted to talk about where... I think when they're closing in on it, it talks about ghost lock a little bit and how I really, I, really like this part. I think that's the beginning um, of the next
0: chapter. Is it? When Lucy gets a little ghost locked. Yeah.
1: So it says from the heaviness of Lockwood's voice, I knew that he too felt malaise. Oh. The strange sluggishness that dead weight in the muscles that comes when a visitor is near. Oh, So this okay. isn't this isn't ghost lock. This is malaise. I'm sorry. Gotcha. So I misspoke. You're right. Uh, that 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 comes later but i thought that this was like uh, a lot of like world building was happening right there that there's like we talked about the intentions of the ghost but there's also like this is part of being near a ghost is it just like flattens you emotionally and starts to control you and you have to learn how to disassociate yourself from that that's like an important skill that you have to have as a ghost hunter
0: it's also an interesting play on like horror movies where people are in a haunted house and feel like like there are a lot where they, you know, start feeling differently as soon as they're there, like just the presence of the ghost causes them to feel differently. And it's interesting that he yeah. takes those traditions, I guess, and makes them part of the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And we get to like, it It also like uses the medium really well, right? Like as a book, because the best thing about a book is that you're inside the person mm-hmm. and so like this talks about a feeling that's inside it's it's something that a tv show can not do very easily so that's one of the things i really like about this world is the malaise that the ghosts make you feel and the fear and and all of that kind of stuff that you have to like there's an internal struggle to the whole thing on top of like being a good sword fighter or having your supplies ready and yeah. all of that stuff there's a Psychic battle thing going on. But yeah, you're right. The chapter ends with a ghost just in one line. It it says, like, when I raised my head to call Lockwood, I saw a girl standing there. Yeah. Uh, Which is such a super strong way to end a chapter because you're like, what?
0: And then in chapter three, Lucy is attacked by the ghost of a woman and Lockwood forces the ghost to retreat into the wall of the office. Because I remembered the summary this time. (laughs) And yes, we get we get very quickly introduced to ghost luck, which again is just a good bit of world building because even as Lucy describes it, she's like, but I'm a professional. I know how to fight these things off. Dut, dut, dut.
1: Yeah. Nothing mattered. Least of all me silence and stillness and utter paralysis of movement were all I could aspire to all that I deserved. Yeah. Like yikes. <laughs> so it's just being a teenager is really what <laughs> happens to you. The ghost makes you feel like a teenager,
0: but Lucy doesn't know that because she still is one. Yeah, it's <laughs> like it's it's just another day for me. Yeah, you can't slow me down. Uh, but like even after that, she's just like, in other words, ghost luck. I can fight this off, which is in, like because he gives it so intensely, and then is, Lucy's very nonchalant about it.
1: Yeah, so I think that's really important that it gets named after we the reader have like gone through this kind of emotional experience of it with no explanation. It's kind of like scary and disorienting. And then she like names it and kind of dismisses it. And so there's like, that's a whole kind of judo motion, you know, happening that like, I don't know. I think that that is really, really powerful. Yeah. Cause it, it makes me trust Lucy as a ghost hunter, and it it makes me really believe that she knows what she's doing, yes, and that this world is like really dangerous.
0: And yeah, it gives her history without diving into the history.
1: Exactly, yeah, that's yeah. I think that's not easy to do. This is like a really good example of like you just throw an experience out there, and then you name it, and you have the character kind of throw it away. I was like, wow, that's just really impressive. That is like communicates so succinctly the what you want to get across
0: um and then we have this next scene which i think is the first scene that the show did almost word for word
1: is this the O lockwood yeah yeah i really like this
0: <laughs> i like your imitation of the audiobook narrator there it was good i know i know <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect um but yeah just the way that and, and there's the sign when she says it's urgent I cannot hear that in anything other than Ruby Stokes' voice in the show.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah, listening yeah, yeah. to
0: the audiobook, I'm just like, no, that's wrong. It's Ruby there. Yeah. I don't know why. The way that she said it in the show is, like, stuck in my brain. I mean, also, we watched the show a lot, obviously, because we were podcasting. But
1: still. Yeah. No, I agree. I And I was seeing, you know, the actors as the characters. The yeah, it's good.
0: I I... Again, I'm not one who thinks that scenes from the book have to be, you know, word for word in a show, you know, you really just have to make a good TV show, but it is always nice when it happens.
1: Oh yeah. And it's, it's a really like, it lends itself to television too, because a lot of the gag is both visual and audio Yeah, uh, and cutting in between the two of them. Like Lockwood is like, I'm a fucking detective, dude. Like, look at my big brain. <sighs> And, and she, like, has the answer in front of her, yeah. and yeah, it's just all really good.
0: And we get um, our first ghost speaking to Lucy when uh, the ghost says, I'm cold.
1: I'm cold, yeah. yeah. Now, she doesn't say that, right, in the, in the show? No. Doesn't she say, let go of me right away?
0: I don't know about right away, but I think at first it was just, like, sounds, and then when Lockwood came out, he, like, told her to... To focus in, yeah. and she does her eye-close-boom thing with the sound effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or not boom, but you know what I mean. The the sound effect that you liked so much.
1: Yeah, yeah. Where everything else drops out. Yeah. That's really, really smart. Yeah, I don't remember her saying, I'm cold at all. And it really feels like what we're talking about here is kind of like euphemisms around being like a dead body. Or like being buried or bricked up or in the yeah. dirt.
0: Yeah, this this definitely sounds like she's upset that she's her body's been left, which I like that because it does sort of lend itself to them thinking that the body is the source. And so maybe right. Lucy wasn't being completely idiotic later on.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point.
0: Um, So then eventually Lockwood does come out into the hallway and be like, oh, I see you were actually when you said it's urgent, you meant it. So I yeah, and she's
1: like, she's mad at him. (laughs) Yeah, which is totally understandable, but also funny.
0: I I really do love their dynamic of. of (laughs) It really feels in this these first couple chapters that Lucy is the professional and Lockwood is just here to have a good time and show off.
1: Yeah, yeah, he is messing around a little bit too much. So yeah, so after after they rejoin and like Lockwood clues into reality. He doesn't let Lucy go after the ghost because she's upset. I think this is really important for, especially for the first book, but for the just the idea of the world building and stuff. Mm-hmm. That he's like, he tells her, You need to calm down. Um, she'll feed off your anger super fast and she'll grow strong. Which is, I mean, that's just exposition, mm-hmm. uh, but it's really well delivered because she is upset and this isn't like, he's not explaining something to her that she doesn't already know. He's reminding her and being like, this is why we have to be careful because like the ghosts feed on emotions and fear and anger seem to give them something. And so like, it just puts them in greater danger. Yeah. And like I've been saying, like the psychic battle of controlling yourself is a really, really important part of the ghost hunting
0: uh, I also like that he kind of goads her into a bit of an argument, not like an argument, but like a tiff, I guess. And then, yes, and then to just to help get her get the anger out. And, and they don't like say that on the page, but afterwards he's like, "Do you feel better now?" And she's like, "Actually, yes." And that's yes. really smart character work too. there.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's really cute. Yeah, it's a it's a good joke because uh, yeah, at the end. He's like, how's your anger management going? Yeah. And she snorted and had to admit that she felt better.
0: Yeah. I admit I'm annoyed, but now I'm annoyed with you. That's different.
1: (laughs) That feels cute and good. And yeah, it's probably also like, I don't know. I don't, I don't read a lot of, if I'm honest, I don't read a lot of like romantic attraction between the characters in the first three books. Now that I've read the three books, but they're, she is definitely like smitten with Lockwood in terms of like, she's captured by his charisma, like right away. And I think that you can kind of read a sublimated, like I'm angry with you as like, that is easier psychically to deal with. Like you feel annoyed with somebody than admitting to yourself that you're attracted to them. So you like the flirting is like, Ooh, I hate you kind of stuff that teenagers do because they can't deal with the alternative.
0: Yes. I, you know, it's interesting that you say that you don't think there's a lot of attraction between them in the first three books, because you've, you've brought that up before about how you don't think there was that much uh, between them in the books, but you've also said that in your real life, you can never tell if somebody is flirting. And I think about those two things a lot. (laughs) A
1: hundred percent. I think I'm very bad at reading this kind of thing and it always like sometimes i'm reading a book and i feel annoyed like well where did this come from they would never showed any signs of being interested in each other because it's just not explicit enough for me i can't like read the signs
0: so that's
1: i will fully admit to that
0: yeah um so i i do i actually don't think that this bit is about attraction i think it's just about they have a good relationship you know they've been living together for six months we don't know that yet in the book but it's given them like a rapport they know each other really well
1: yeah it definitely speaks to a history
0: yeah and i do i do think it's kind of cute I, I don't even necessarily know if i mean that in a romantic way but just when he says how's your management going on Luce?" i could just see him like grinning at her like an idiot Yeah, you know <laughs> yeah so it's good
1: there's um, there's a kind of cute joke that I like in Lucy's narrative voice mm-hmm. a little bit after that, once they get into the office. And it talks about like how there's geology magazines oh, yeah. and there's maps all over the place and there's hammers. And she's like, I used my keen investigative instinct to tell me that Mr. Hope might possibly have been a geologist by trade. I was like, good, Lucy. I like She's kind of sardonic about herself. Um, Oh, yeah.
0: Which I actually love that because there's nothing that a teenager does better than, like, self-deprecating sarcasm. Yeah, yeah. And and also just the way when they talk and how they're always kind of trying to one-up each other. Like, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Stroud just nailed what it is to listen to teenagers talk to each other.
1: It's very charming to not have somebody who's, like... She, like she's being ironic about it and not be like, I'm an amazing genius. Like that would be annoying or for her to be down on herself and be like, I'm so stupid. That would also be annoying.
0: Oh yeah. No, no. It's, it, I don't even know how to describe it. It's the perfect self-deprecation because it's not, Yep. she doesn't wallow in it. She just says, well, that was stupid and moves on. Hmm. Obviously I'm paraphrasing. But then, yes, they go into a room, find an old chimney, and think there's probably something in there. Yep. And that's Um, in the room that is a study now, but used to be a bedroom. And they think that Mr. Hope setting up his office in there is what set off the ghost after so much time.
1: Yeah, Lockwood has a good Sherlock moment of being like, there was something on this carpet before.
0: Yeah, that's a good moment for him, actually, because I do feel like... Most of these opening chapters are Lucy kind of telling him he's dumb. Yeah. And not yeah. again, not in so many words, but like, don't do the accents. <laughs> don't do this. Don't do that. Obviously it's this blah, blah, blah. So when he does have a good, you know, oh, but there was obviously a bed here moment. It's like, okay, Lockwood does have a brain.
1: Yeah. And she like kind of, <laughs> she kind of undercut him when he was being like a detective and like, I think someone else died here. Mm-hmm. Um Because she just happened to be looking at the ghost. That was some real detective work on his part. Some real brain work, but it just so happened it wasn't necessary.
0: Did you have anything else for chapter three?
1: No, I did want to, I did want to ask you, and I just always think this, I think this is, you know, training as like a English major or whatever. It's something that I think about in any first person narrative Mm -hmm. is like, she's using the past tense here for everything. So we're not like, you know, I walked up the stairs and Anthony did this. It's, it's all past tense. And so I always just ask myself, like from what part of the future is this Lucy writing and to who is this a written account? Or is this like, is this anything, you know, like in the kind of like, you know, Bilbo Baggins wrote the story of the Hobbit, and then that's what we're reading, kind of a thing, like right. retrospective. Do you have any sense of how, maybe there's an answer to this in the, cause I haven't read all the books. And there there is isn't. Like,
0: it's not, no, it's, okay. it's just the style.
1: Okay. Yeah. And so my sense is that there isn't, I mean, even absent of you saying that, that this isn't like, an account that she is constructing that it's, it's just merely a delivery system and that he's not making more of it than that.
0: Yeah, it, it does because it is so almost conversational in, in times, like it kind of goes back and forth. Like sometimes it does feel like Lucy is talking directly to us and therefore it feels like Lucy is writing this or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it also feels like in those moments in particular is when she feels the most Teenager, right, because that's yes, when she has her yeah. her quip, so it doesn't feel like a later on Lucy looking back
1: I agree, yeah that that is the sense that I get yeah there's there's no reflection
0: exactly if you wanted to assign it something like in universe, it would be journals, I would say
1: right, yeah, I think that that it like really speaks to what you pointed out in the show too about how she records stuff yeah. for Nori. yeah and how that is a lot like the voice in the book because that, that voice very much feels like situated in this moment and does not have like a lot of insight on herself. She's not like reflecting as an adult or anything. I don't know. That just felt like an important thing to think about at the beginning of the book. And like having been informed by the other books, I was like, is there anything there? I don't, but I don't really think that there is. I don't think that there has to be. I don't think that that would no. make the book
0: it's not like, better. It's or not like anything. The Outsiders, you know, when you get to the end and Ponyboy starts writing the beginning.
1: Right, 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 right. That's a cute trick. There's yeah. I don't know. There's other books where I like that, you know, that it's reflected and that there's, you know, that there is a perspective and all of that stuff that can give richness to it, but it, it's not necessary. And um, And I think it's just the mode that he's that he's writing
2: it.
0: yeah i honestly i think the choice in that is really just to give us humor through lucy's voice you know and and mm-hmm. world building and that sort of thing
1: yeah i think it also is good because it limits what we can know about the world to her perspective which i think there's lots of advantages to that
2: too
0: oh yeah absolutely we've talked about this before the books wouldn't work at all from lockwood's perspective or if we got yeah like, exactly Lockwood chapters or whatever. It just it wouldn't especially later on when the interpersonal drama becomes more of a thing.
1: Right. Not knowing is like really important yeah. for the drama of that yeah. and stuff.
0: Yeah. So then chapter four, Lucy accidentally starts a fire in the house during a battle with the ghost, and they have to jump out the window to escape. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Uh so chapter four opens with just like two paragraphs of world building, which I have dubbed Sources 101.
1: <laughs> yes, I, I really, really like this. Um, the part that I highlighted, it says, but the essence of our role, the reason for our being is always the same, to locate the specific place or object connected mm-hmm. to a particular member of the restless dead.
0: Yeah, it's, it's great how she does give all this world building, but then says, and this is why we are here. And it's kind of like mm-hmm. the culmination of these first couple chapters. Like, this is our job. What I
1: really like about this is that the books,
0: we're not trying to, like, figure out
1: how to ghost hunt. Like, it is right here at the beginning of the first yes. book. It, yeah. It's already known how to do this. What these books are going to explore, and Lucy's journey is, like, all about, is something that I feel like this process is kind of suppressing and hiding from the ghost hunters and and is like it's systematized a thing to be like don't think about what the sources are or how they operate like just learn how to hunt them down and like capture them and destroy them yes you know what i mean like it's do the process your whole job is to just be an instrument of the process
0: yep.
2: and
1: to not examine the process and the books are going to unlock all of that.
0: Yeah. And not examine if there's a deeper thing going on.
1: Yeah. 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 That's like the point, part of the point of the process, I guess is what I'm saying is to, to suppress that kind of like investigation.
0: Yeah. To kill the kids off too early and keep them too busy to worry about other things. Right. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I did highlight a line here where Lucy is thinking, uh, we're too busy trying to avoid being ghost Dutch to worry about philosophy. And I just wrote, oh, sorry about that, Alan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like that, though. I I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like Stroud is like literally kind of saying a thing here. Like, I'm not thinking deeply in certain ways about this. Like, it's not, this is an adventure. It's not like a deep, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm doing something else. I always like that part.
0: Yeah. And then we get a line about the sources most often. And then in brackets, it's like 73% of the time, according to research. And I'm like, I wonder how Stroud came up with the uh, 73%. <laughs> like, was it just random? <laughs> a source is associated with what the Fitz manual calls personal organic remains. <laughs> Just
2: right, right, such right, right. A, a body. training
0: yeah. manual way of saying like a dead body.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very technical, so it uh, yeah, it just gets rid of all the actual humanity. That's a good question. I wonder if like his house number growing up was seventy three or something like that.
0: Yeah, or if he originally wrote down seventy five, but then was like, mm, that's too round of a number. Let's just say seventy three.
1: Yeah, the publisher. Was yeah, like, don't don't do that. I was gonna talk about the the she recognizes you're the weak one um, thing, but uh, maybe you have something before that.
0: Oh, I was just going to like summarize. They start breaking into the chimney to find the body that we talked about. Lucy does have this one line that says, you know, keep to the rules, keep ourselves safe, which I just highlighted as not so punk rock. (laughs) Very true. But then yes, after that, Longwood does have his, has has that conversation that you just said.
1: Yeah, he really steps in it, right? He's like. She recognizes the ghost that is that you're the weak one and Lucy's like, I'm sorry, what are you saying? What? And he's like, Luce, this isn't the time. I just mean emotionally. You're emotionally (laughs) the weak one. She's like, What? And that's better.
0: I love Um, I I love this idea that he's saying that the ghost is attached to her because she's the weak one, but like literally she's the only one who can communicate with the ghost. Like maybe that's why.
1: Yeah, it's just uh it's it's good. It's funny in the middle of this, like, pretty tense thing and kind of like gross, weird thing where they're digging in the wall and it like go, goes back to their dynamic, which is and, really good again.
0: And they bring George into it, too, even though he's not even here. So you can see that this is like a further conversation that they've been having at home, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, she's like, is that a thing that George says? He's like, this has nothing to do with George. Um yeah exactly. But it also like brings up the whole thing that we talked about a little bit in the show of like how gender is like a dynamic of this whole thing, mm-hmm. which is also how this chapter opens where it talks about, although we don't really know that. but like with the fits and uh, I guess we do, it it name drops them uh specifically with their gendered names with um Fitz and Rotwell
0: with marissa Marissa Fitz and Tom Rotwell,
1: right. And so, like, that tells you that the most effective ghost hunting includes like a gender binary and that the and we can see here that the work itself the psychic work is gendered in some way and we've already had hints about this in the previous three chapters with the sight and the listening and all of that kind of stuff
0: yes so i mean we never i don't know some, I do feel like some of this is because it's being written by a stodgy British man, you know? Like,
1: oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think the gendering at all is like, it comes from that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I feel like if we had asked Stroud about this directly, he would say, no, it's not gendered. Boys can be like this. Girls can be like this. But his like unconscious bias wrote it this way, and that we never actually do meet a boy who's a listener.
1: Right. 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 Yeah. And that, yeah, that it constructs it in this way just automatically.
0: And the idea of gender not being a binary just never even comes up.
1: Yeah, yeah. It can only be it can only be two people in this way and and that's how it is. Yeah, I think all of that stuff is important. And the way that like, you know, the, like Lockwood did not come to this conclusion, I feel like this is society has told him that like being a listener is emotionally weak. And you know what I mean? And that like to be female is to Be vulnerable and weak and emotional, and blah, 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 blah. And all these things that our society thinks about femininity Mm -hmm. as well. And so, like, all of that stuff is encoded there in that little exchange in like important ways that are, yeah, both unconscious and like, I think he's playing with them and like, you know, talking about it and being like, actually, this is her secret weapon. But like, it also does play into the gender binary and, yeah, as, and ideas about yeah essential femininity
0: uh i i will th- at the end of this conversation or a part of it lockwood does sort of bring up how you think she he says you'd think she'd want us to do this you think she'd want to be found talking about the ghost wanting them to find the dead body and i just think that that's an interesting line to give lockwood because as we see later he doesn't care what ghosts want he doesn't want to think about them as human beings are as things that used to be human beings. Oh, well, that's a good point. So it's I have to assume that Stroud just wasn't thinking about that right here. Or maybe this is just luck. Or it's, it's probably not even that deep. But it's just interesting that he brought that up uh, yeah. here.
1: I think he's complaining
0: because he's yeah. having to do a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> he's exactly. Like, he's why just is whining. she biting us? Why is she making it harder? But it's just interesting that it came up here. In Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I noticed that too. Um,
0: And then on the next page, the ghosts come back. The ghosts. The ghost comes back. Wow, I can't speak. And we finally get like a decent physical description of her. uh, Which includes Lucy saying she looked like the kind of girl I'd always instinctively disliked. Soft and silly. Passive when it mattered and when it didn't. Reliant on her charms to get her way. I hate everything about that. I'm so glad that Stroud introduced the fact that Lucy hates girls early on. Sarcasm, Mm -hmm. obviously. I just... Nothing would have changed if he had just given her, given the ghost, those descriptions without Lucy having to say the kind of girl I'd always instinctively disliked. Like, we would have gotten it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And people... I've seen people talk about... But, like, in-world, there are reasons for Lucy to dislike other girls. Like, there's she's got six sisters and a mom who have not been great to her. And I get it. But out-of-world, this is still a choice that a male writer is making about a female main character that he is writing from the perspective of. And I hate that. I th- Girls don't need to be... uh, I, The word escapes me. But they don't need to be mean to each other like this. There can still be tension mm-hmm. between them. Just anyways, we're going to revisit this a lot in book three, obviously, but I, Oh yeah. Yeah. I hate it. It comes up all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> and I.
1: Hate when, it. yeah, when I read this part, it felt very much as like the book or the story is judging this kind of femininity as like yep. intrinsically bad or dishonest. Yep. Like it's a, it's a bad way to be a person. Um it does it come across
0: me. that that's what Lucy feels. Yeah. That she thinks Yeah, yeah, yeah. and in general like she talks later about how she doesn't have I don't even think it's in this book but whatever, how she doesn't have many female friends and all that sort of thing. And I I just want to know why Stroud made <laughs> these decisions. Again, not in-world. I don't care about the in-world decisions. Why Stroud as an external force decided Lucy hates girls. <laughs> Mhm. And I I just hate it. I so many of the scenes, so many of the conflicts could like it could absolutely just be taken out that it's and it would still work.
1: Yeah, and it's like what and this was kind of related to the question that I was asking about perspective in the <clears throat> first person and all of that is that there's like no sense in which I guess what I mean, if this had been written by an adult Lucy who was looking back and seeing like if she instead said about this ghost and at that time in my life, these were all the things that I was scared to be as a woman. Yeah. That I was scared I wasn't pretty enough, that I was scared I was too bold around Lockwood and and that he didn't see me as a woman because of that. And you know what I mean? And that made me hate her. Um, There's no sense of that at all. There's just like an unironic it. This kind of femininity is intrinsically bad and dishonest. Yeah. And so like that really like feels to me like a judgment that the book makes. In the same way that when we get villainous characters who do bad things, the Book is judging them and saying like this is a bad person like and this to be a woman who is passive at the right times and looks a certain way is bad like end of yeah thing. you know what it, i mean yeah that's like it's a exactly it's bad.
0: and in the context i i don't think strad meant it this way at all but in the context of when we're getting this it also kind of feels like and that's probably why she died
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's part of her victimhood
0: yeah, yeah. which is bullshit
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't think my sense of Stroud is that he's not that kind of guy, but that it, it's like you said about the other gendered things, that this is just like...
0: The unconscious bias, You yeah. know,
1: un, yeah, it's just in there. It's just or, programmed into you.
0: Or it's like, like Lucy is very much written like a teenage, I'm not like other girls girl, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I'm 100% like that exists. I'm not trying to say that... You shouldn't think that she shouldn't think that or anything like that. But he doesn't have the nuance for it Mm -hmm. because there's so much more going on than, oh, I hate other girls, blah, 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 blah. When when you are a teenage girl. The other thing that I think
1: whenever this comes up a lot of times, and this might be totally unfair to Stroud and just might be me actually projecting myself onto him, is that it's easier as a man who you know, like I don't wear makeup. I don't have to deal with women's clothes. Right. To have a character who's like, I hate makeup. I dress different than other girls. I don't worry about girly things. Like that is just easier to do as a man. Sure, and like, that would from be fine. My experience.
0: That would be fine. You can have a character saying, "I prefer this. I prefer, and I don't prefer that." But then to actively think, "I hate this, and I hate that, and I right, hate right, girls right. who do and- like that." And they're bad because
1: they do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's where we have a problem.
1: It's it's really bad.
0: Though again, yes, I do think all of this is unconscious on Stroud's. Like, I don't think he... Like, there's a difference between somebody who actively hates women and somebody who's just not that great at writing them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't think that Lucy would be the hero of the book. I don't think that she would be the kind of character that she is if he, like, actively yes hated women and like could didn't understand them at all so
0: that's that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying i think society is in his brain telling him things and that he lacks the nuance because he never was a teenage girl
1: yeah yeah yeah. i agree not that it matters if i agree or not
0: (laughs) i do uh so then they find a dead body in the wall but that's normal for them (laughs) (laughs) right uh and they have a fight with a ghost I didn't really take any notes here. It was all just like body. I was about to say that. Yeah, you know the fight
1: is good, and it's it's explained really well. It's easy to picture, Mm -hmm. but I didn't take any notes uh, through it. The first note that I have in this whole section um, has to do with Lucy says uh, a rush of pity filled my heart. Who did this to you? Right, Um, and that's like a really important turning point in the story, and like. Begins us on the path of like what I talked about, like, that's not a question that you should be asking for the kind of Fitz manual, how to hunt ghosts. That's yeah. never something that you need to ask yourself. You should never put yourself in the perspective of the dead person.
0: Yes. Um, I I did also write down because Lockwood calls out plan E and I just wrote down. I like that joke better in the show.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because they had the the follow through with it. Um, but yeah, no, I mentioned that line also, the pity, because it's, I like that you're saying that this is a choice that Lucy is making um, to actively think in a way that, you know, the Fitzmanual probably does not encourage. While I was like, I wonder if this is her her making a connection with the ghost and the ghost kind of forcing her to think that way. Forcing oh, isn't the right word, but like the ghost being no, like, could I get you care you about me, please? yeah. I hadn't thought of that. That's no, I, I don't know which one it would be. A bit of both, maybe. But yeah. yeah, it's
1: interesting. Well, even if the ghost is doing that, it still has to be an act of choice on her part to, you know, go in that direction. Because that's what we've been talking about. Like, yeah. there's all the psychic battle that happens internally. And so this is a choice.
0: And this, I think, is when she reaches in to take the necklace. And yeah, yeah. which is why the ring in the show was such a better choice because she could just grab it. In this one, I'm left thinking, did she just rip it? Did, did she reach behind the, the late <laughs> that she decapitated? Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> like either option is bad. Yeah. Like, did she just hug a dead body? You know, like, ugh. yeah, it's like
1: the thing that I thought of when I watched it in the show was, um. probably no one thought of this. Is like Galadriel giving her hair to Gimli Oh yeah. and how like that's really beautiful in the book. But then when if you try to do that on screen, it would be like, what's even happening? What is she giving him? I can't even see anything there.
0: Yeah. And then like, um, what does he do with it? Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Where is it? It's really dumb, but it looked it works really well on the page. Like, I totally buy that she's able to get this necklace and everything because you don't you just don't have to think about it and it just happens. But I don't know if you have I've to think about that, it too like... much
0: now. I don't, I can't picture anything other than her reaching around the dead body to get to the clasp. And I'm just like, oh.
1: but through the silver net and stuff, it's like really weird. It's awkward.
0: Yeah. Um, but then the whole house is on fire. And I know like Lockwood does get ghost touched here, but I couldn't find a moment where it happened. Did... I
1: was looking for this too. Yeah. And, uh, I missed it. And he seems, I don't know, like jokey and with it still all the way to the end of the chapter. And so I was like, did it happen after she fell?
0: No, because the So I don't know. Well, I was going to say because the net's already on the dead body, but we are. We know that that doesn't matter. Right. I, I, I don't know when it happened. It's interesting. There didn't seem to be a moment. So I guess it was just while he was distracting the ghost. Mm hmm. But yes, the house is burning down, so they got to jump. But before they can jump, there's kind of an explosion or not an explosion, but like a piece of the house kind of pushes Lucy out. Yeah, it's collapsing. Yeah. She falls out,
1: which is another super strong ending to the chapter, to the part one. Yep. You just want to keep reading. I did want to talk a little bit about metals and like folklore. Go ahead. Because, like, I, I appreciate that Stroud, like, throws in all kinds of stuff that it's not like he made it up or is just picking arbitrarily, but they come from, like, real, you know, kind of, like, supernatural lore in the culture. So, like, I don't know if people know that silver has actual antimicrobial properties. Like, it's been lab tested. Microbes just don't like growing on silver. It's just a thing chemically it doesn't work out and so like ancient people just noticed that if you had water in silver cups or silver pitchers that the water wouldn't get rancid and gross and so there's ascribed kind of magical properties to the silver like obviously the demons and ghosts aren't you know making you sick because they're afraid of silver obviously um cause and effect and so Silver just kind of takes on a magical quality in stories because of that. And Interesting. Like oh, are you saying something? It just not? I just
0: I I had never really heard that about silver before, but I have noticed that silver comes up a lot in fiction.
1: Yep. I don't think that people even know anymore that there's a you know, connection there to like the ancient Greeks had silver mines all around Athens and stuff, and so they use silver for like their plates and silverware and Mm -hmm. you know cups and stuff and they would get sick less often than other people and there was also all the greek philosophers and like aristotle you know doing biology in the ancient world and stuff and so they just figured this stuff out and and then other people who didn't have these advancements saw that stuff about their culture and they're like oh well that's clearly because silver is magical you know like that's why it does that Um, and then that just gets folded into your storytelling. And then people forget why.
0: I was going to make a stupid joke about how I think I've infiltrated some of those mines in Assassin's Creed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Those battles
1: are bullshit down there. Yeah. Um, And then iron is kind of the same thing. Like, working with iron is really, really hard because to get it hot enough to work with it will usually melt the forge of people, you know, or tools that you need to To uh, get it molten, like you can't even, once it's molten, it's going to melt anything that you try to do with it, so like it's impossible to work with. And so how did people make iron anything in those other cultures, if you're not a part of that culture and don't know those secrets, it's obviously magic. So like iron tools and stuff are magical, just intrinsically.
0: That's interesting because in this story and in most stories where iron is part of a thing, The whole point of it is that it's anti-magical.
1: Right, 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 right. Like it stops. It has some kind of stopping magical things. I think also magnetism has to do with um, iron's magical, like the lore around it. And if you think about, you know, positive to positive, they kind of push against each other. And so maybe that is kind of like, well, the iron's magical and the fairy's magical and that's why they don't go together. You know what I mean?
0: Maybe. But or even just like you were saying, it's so hard to work with that. Maybe that's why they might think that it could be repellent. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, that connection makes sense in my brain. I don't. I don't think I made it clear in the words that I spoke. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um. So during well, when we did our episodes on the show, we had a um, most punk rock moment, which I do think we're planning to. Continue, but we're also going to add a best and or worst joke from every section.
1: Yeah, or we're gonna try to. Yes. I don't know. I don't know how this will go.
0: Yeah, uh, I guess. Please send us your feedback on whether or not this is good, and also whether or not, in general, we were kind of boring this time. I don't know. I feel like maybe we were. So, what was your best and or worst joke?
1: Mm. I think my favorite joke is the is the old Lockwood. Oh, the whole thing yeah i'm just scanning through all the jokes that i i highlighted jokes and i think that's my favorite one it, it actually makes me laugh through the whole like i'm just chuckling through the whole thing i did like there's another joke that i like where, <laughs> where they're like walking down a hallway and lucy's like pretty tense
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it says lucy look lockwood's voice oh is, that one yeah there's mr hope <laughs> and it's just like a picture yeah of him and she's like and mrs hope's here as well
0: i do i she's, do love lockwood like, being idiot. a shit yeah <laughs> it's good i wrote down my favorite joke being everything basically from receptionist george and onward on that page i love when lucy's just like are you ready and he's like yes i'm moving shape and, yeah, yeah. And, and just then like folds it
1: very like, yep. yeah, that's pretty good.
0: And then they talk about it a little bit more. And we also get like some world building in that about how adults can't really see or sense. And I just really True, liked that. Yeah. yeah. And then it like goes on for a bit while they still just like, like give Mrs. Hope shit, basically. It's great.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's very, like, on-the-job energy. Yeah. Like, can you believe the client? Bullshit. You know? Yeah. And that's I, a good one.
0: I still remember the first time, like, listening to the audiobook when they like, the first time I heard it and I did chuckle out loud. It was good. It was well done. Uh, I did write down a worst joke, which I thought at one point Lucy brings up Lockwood getting shut in a bathroom on a job and then he's like, it was the ghost. I didn't just get locked in there and I don't know. I thought that was <laughs> stupid and unnecessary. There weren't
1: any... Sometimes Stroud, and I'm sure I will highlight these, he just does like a groaner to me that I'm like, yeah. oh man, I can't believe you did that. They're never ja- dad jokes, but they're like as bad. I don't know. We'll get to them.
0: Um, for most punk rock, I put uh The Stealing of the Necklace.
1: Oh, that's a good one. Because she kind of yeah. goes
0: back for it, you know? Like... The 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 net is on; they can get out, and she's like, "Mm, "But I need to steal this jewelry, actually." Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that.
1: Yeah, I just had them jumping off the roof, that like or whatever. It's not the roof, but like they're high up, and Lockwood's like, "Well, this is the way we gotta go." But it's not very punk rock, honestly, because it's like they don't have a choice. Yeah, that's the whole point.
0: It's that or die. Mm -hmm. but yeah before i thought of the necklace i think that was going to be mine too because jumping out of a burning building that you set on fire that is kind of a little punk rock
1: it's very cool yeah Yeah. but it's not very like down with the system man like we didn't you know jump off the roof and throw the grenade in the building yeah fuck them (laughs) it wasn't that
0: but i guess it was um like lucy sets the house on fire because she does decide that Her and Lockwood surviving is more important than following the rules. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that could be punk rock. It's a little bit.
1: Yeah. So next time we'll read part two titled before.
0: Yeah. Like like I said, this is kind of a new format for us. So if you have any feedback, please do reach out to us. It it would make sense for me to then go into our collective uh, contact info, but that's just not How we do things. So I'm going to say you can follow me on Twitter at inferior Caitlin.
1: Right. So just send it right to Caitlin. Yeah.
0: Just send it. No, you can follow the show on Twitter. It's not Twitter anymore. Oh, whatever.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's X. I forgot about that. You have to say it like it makes me so ashamed of my generation because I am Generation X. I'm like the very tail end of Generation X. And I hate how it's like it's SpaceX and it's Twitter X and it's dude and you're the worst of our generation honestly stop it
0: so you can follow the show on twitter at lockwood podcast <laughs> and if you want to reach out in an email you can do that i never ever read this line and you can tell yep to you can email us at
1: i'm not helping you no you're not this is, you did this you're in it
0: If you want to reach out by email, you can send one to contact at hallowedgroundmedia.com or visit our contact page, which Alan did not write down here.
1: That's right. Good luck finding it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And remember Celsius is better than Fahrenheit.
2: I'm Caitlin. I'm yeah, that's who I am. Jesus
1: Christ. I have one line. Good.
2: Drink some drink some tea. Oh. Sorry. Good. All right. (laughs) I'm Alan. And this week we are
1: I don't know. Just leave all that in there.
2: terrible
0: no no i'll i'll do a i'll do an outtake at the end it'll be
2: good (laughs)